The Bulletin. Always forget there's an intro for this. Uh, sorry, Brian. Uh, you know Ian Smith, you lump with me. But uh, thankfully, the fine sporting minor, Mr. Ben Strang, joins us. How you doing, mate? Yes, good, thank you. Good, thank you. And yeah, excited to talk to you, uh, Mr. McCarty. I think that's how you said to reference you as captain of the cricket team. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, turn it down, son. Turn it down. Uh, right, let, let's talk about that. Made a rather, you know, typically pithy statement this morning that I know it's not going to take away from the pain of four years ago, but I want payback tomorrow, Ben, even for a drop in time, it will make me forget what happened at Lords. Are you as petty as I am? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I mean, one thing I think we can be assured of is that we're not going to see any overthrows uh, wrongly, <laughs> you know, awarded an extra run. I think that the umpires will be on top of that one. Um it's funny, I talked to Daryl Mitchell last night, uh, you know, ahead of the game and, and asked if the team were thinking about that, if there was any sort of revenge plot on in this game. And, I mean, he said that they're just trying to, I mean, they're, they're still trying to forget about 2019. They, they don't have that in the back of their mind at all. But I think as cricket fans, any any New Zealand cricket fan will absolutely be wanting to, to get one over the English after that, uh, that heartbreaking loss uh, four years ago. Uh, but, but I mean, in terms of the Cricket World Cup, I think it's important that New Zealand do actually start well if they're wanting to be successful because England are going to be right up there with the form that they've been showing in the last year or two. So, uh, yeah, I think it is a, a really important game and it does look like the players are in pretty decent form heading into it. Yeah, it's really important they don't worry about that sort of ancillary stuff, um, you know, get, getting payback. That, that's for us fans to deal with. We, we had some amazing calls, Ben. We had one guy who was in the United States and was a, a surf lifesaver who couldn't do his job the next day. He was just too distraught, <laughs> could, could not save lives. Uh, we had another guy text in to say he had to sell his house because he had he had too many painful memories of, of going in there. And, a, and another poor old sod who every time he does the dishes is, re, is reminded of that game because for some reason he found himself washing dishes during that game. So it's incredible <laughs> the memories that uh, our New Zealand fans have been left with. But when you look at this uh, tournament, how many wins do you think they need? Is it six? Is it seven? Is it? You know, when you look at the state of the field, what does your gut tell you? It's so hard to tell. I think probably six, uh, because inevitably there's going to be those weird little triangles where you beat X, X beats Y, and Y beats Z. You know, it's 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 just going to um, be be very odd in some of those sorts of situations, but. I think, you know, you've got to take care of the games against the likes of Afghanistan, against the likes of the Netherlands, and and hopefully get your run rate up because I think for one or two teams, it's absolutely going to come down to run rate, whether you make the semifinals or not. I think it will be about six wins wins based on that, but but if you do have six wins, I think you're going to have to have a good run rate. That's that's the, the certainty. So when you do lose, don't lose big. When you do win, particularly against some of the you know, teams that will call minnows, uh, you have to win massive if possible. And and that's, um, you know, I haven't gone through and analysed where we're playing the likes of Afghanistan, but if we're on a spin-friendly surface, you know, if New Zealand are playing on a spin-friendly surface against Afghanistan, that's probably not the ideal situation because they will be a very tricky proposition in conditions like that. So I think, uh, you know, luck of the draw in that respect may also 
come into it for for certain sides. You don't want to play Afghanistan's amazing spin attack in somewhere like Chennai where it's going to turn square. I think Chapuk, they're playing them there at the magnificently Mm. named NA... Chidam Baram Stadium. Absolutely love the name. It's a, you know, commentators absolutely love that uh, that stadium. It just rolls off the tongue. Uh, the All Blacks team is out to take on Uruguay. What stands out as far as the 23 that's been announced? I mean, the first thing that stands out is obviously most of the key players are, are being rested for the semi final, which will be against Ireland. So I think uh, the quarterfinal, sorry. Uh, I think that, that makes sense. It's good to see Sam Kane back uh, getting some game time after the injury. Uh, I'm intrigued by, but not surprised by Damian McKenzie being at fullback. I, you know, I'd like to see him probably playing at 10 and I am not a big fan of this twin 10 system anymore. I think, you know, eight, eight or or so years ago when they started using it and, and had Barrett in that situation, I was a big fan. I thought it added a lot of, uh, versatility to the back line, the fact that you could basically have two tens and um, leave the defence guessing where you might go. But since then, I just feel like the All Blacks attack has become a little bit stagnant and predictable and it doesn't add anything having a, a second 10 as such in there. So, um, But they persist with that. Uh, you know, I guess this is a chance for Damian McKenzie to maybe secure a spot in the quarterfinal squad, although I think that's highly unlikely. Um, but otherwise, I think it's just a, you know, it's a fairly run-of-the-mill expected team against Uruguay, making sure that some of the big guns are going to be fit and firing uh, ahead of this, uh, the the I keep saying saying semi-final, don't I? But ahead of the quarter-final against Ireland. Yeah, there's still some strength though. That, that's a that's a top line front row that they've uh, named with Offa Tuanga, Farsi Cody Taylor, Tyrell Lomax. Great to see him back starting. I, I think he is such an important player in this New Zealand squad that that maybe doesn't get recognised as such uh, by others. Uh, yeah, accuse me of Hurricanes bias. That's absolutely sure. <laughs> I, I get that. But they are managing minutes with the likes of Retallick are uh, not featuring. Uh, is there much opportunity in scope? And, and I've got to I've got to ask about this guy, Ethan Blackett. It seems to have a lot of love out there in the public, and a lot of people saying he should feature in a frontline twenty three. I just don't think there's enough time for him to force his way in. And coming off the bench against Uruguay, um, can he force his way into a quarter final lineup? I wouldn't have thought so. Thirty minutes against Uruguay isn't going to prove to Ian Foster that you should be on the bench or in the starting team against. Ireland, is it? I mean, it's not that you're talking chalk and cheese, these two sort of teams that they're going to be playing against. So, no, I don't think he does have time. I, I still go back to the decision to bring him into the squad. Um, you know, yes, you're right. He does get a lot of love from fans out there and people do love the way he plays. But I, I feel like he's, you know, and maybe this is exactly what Ian Foster wants, but he's much the same as the other options they have as loose forwards. Whereas if they had gone for somebody like uh, Sami Penefinau, um, with a bit more size uh, and versatility, I thought that might have been a better uh, option. And then maybe there'd be more question marks about whether they'd come onto the bench and that sort of thing. Because plan B for the All Blacks often looks like a slightly poor version of plan A, whereas uh, I think it should be something completely different. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think 30, 35 minutes off the bench for Ethan Blackadder against Uruguay is going to give him that much of a chance to make the quarterfinal. Uh, they released the tapes, released the tapes of the VAR shamozzle after the Liverpool Spurs game. 
My lord, they speak. Uh, we speak English. I thought they uh, invented English in England. Um, I don't. I can't understand what on earth they're talking about. Um, the communication needs to be questioned, right? Absolutely. This. This. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm trying not to get too angry as a Liverpool supporter uh, about this whole thing, and then listening to the tapes. You're right. It's just an absolute mishmash of uh i think there's some words in there um there's a lot of it sounds like grunting and and huffing and stuff but um it's just a it's just a shocker i know they brought in somebody from rugby league this season to try to improve communication and make it a better experience particularly for fans who are watching uh but this is this ain't it like this is incredible really I, i don't know why you know, they, they he says, what, what what was the words he said? You know, it's a check complete, and that was it. Um, I, I don't know why it isn't clearer, and the VAR is, you know, is says very clearly uh, this is a goal or this is not a goal, you know, like something super clear so that it's uh, absolutely known to the referee on the field what they should be calling. But if you take it further, I, I wonder why – you know, you know, in the NFL and basketball, a referee will just go to the sideline and check themselves, and they'll have the technology there for themselves. In some cases, that happens in football, but I don't know. I, you know, if they're going to take a few minutes anyway to make these decisions, why not just send the on-field referee who actually knows what's going on to go and check the footage themselves? Then you wouldn't have this issue. It, it's so frustrating, particularly as, like I say, a Liverpool fan. Uh, I feel like we've been robbed of a point, uh, even though we were down to nine uh, men in the game, but it's uh, it's pretty annoying. We'll play the, the full tape uh, after 11 o'clock when we chat to David Choate about it, uh, but my favourite parts are replay operator. Yep, okay, so 2D line on the boot, st- and stop, check complete, check complete, that's fine, that's perfect. <laughs> Playing, cheers mate, thank you mate, well done boys, good process. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they literally congratulate each other. Before the yeah, replay then, operator, who is not an official, he's running the computer, goes, wait, 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 wait. The on yeah, decision yeah, you hear, you hear the ball being kicked in the background and a whistle blowing, <laughs> and then they're like, hold on, hold on, what? what, oh, what are we, no, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Now, Ben, we'll get you out on this, and I know you're an angry man today, but, um, you know, um, I, I know you're disappointed being a Liverpool fan. Just go away, go online and search Andre Anana, Casemiro, and that will cheer you up. <laughs> just, just go do that, my friend. Go do that. That will make you um, incredibly happy. I do that most weeks. So I just go and check what the Manchester United result has been, and then I sort of pucker up. I, I feel a little bit looser in my step, and uh, away we go. All right, mate. Great to chat. Speak to you soon. Cheers, Ricardi. Have a good one.